0: amen to that thank you ladies but even more we praise god because he gave them that ability you want to watch some dancing that goes bad watch me dance but we use what we have been given to honor the lord isn't that a privilege and so ladies thank you so much and if you believe the message of what they said and what was sung in that song that god indeed is great have i got a message for you today because today, we're going to look at inside-out economics. Oddly enough, when I started my undergrad, I was an international business major. Most people don't know that about me, uh, because I, didn't, uh, I only did that for about two and a half years. Largely because I didn't like math, I had to switch out when I got to accounting. I couldn't do it very well, and so I gave up. But what I did like was economics. Economics makes sense to me. Spreadsheets don't make sense to me. Figuring out supply, demand, and this thing called ROI. Anybody know what ROI is? No, come on, you know it. We're in Hong Kong, the most fiscally astute place in the world. Return on investment. That makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is how Jesus could teach such revolutionary teachings about His greatness and about the greatness of God and all that is promised us. And yet we seem to think that we've got to build our own kingdom on our own here on earth. And so I need a minute to prepare for today's message. And I need you to do something for me while I get set up because I've got, I'm hungry. And so I need to do something in a few minutes. But would you stand up and greet those around you? And if you're willing, just say, you know, God is great. And I am glad to be here with you this morning. So stand up, take just a couple minutes, greet those around you as we get started. Well done everyone. Okay. You've done really well, but I need you to have a seat now where we're going to be here for a while. That idea of return on investment, oddly enough and almost wrong as it sounds, is a key perspective when we think about our lives and following Jesus Christ. Most of us don't think of it like that, and if we do, we feel dirty, like we're being selfish. But today, instead of doing the typical, we need to tithe more sermon, I want us to look through the whole of scriptures and consider what does God teach us about money, the value of the resources he's given, and what we're to do with it and why. I don't want to stand up here and tell you that you're not giving enough. That's between you and the Lord. What I do want to invite you into is a life that's greater than you could imagine. A life that is the life Jesus said, I came to give you more than you think is even possible. And I want to teach it to you, but you've got to trust me. So let's pray together as we dive into Scripture this morning. Lord, I thank you for that text message. (laughs) I thank you also that we can laugh, that we can learn, and that we can grow together. God, you have blessed me abundantly throughout my life of providing when it didn't look possible. And so I pray that we would follow the example you gave us by providing for us, by giving us your son. And that we would never lose sight of that when we consider generosity or giving or economics as a whole. And so God, as we move through the scriptures today, would it be your words that are spoken and not my own? In this we pray, amen. Jesus, uh, toward the end of his earthly ministry, looked out at his disciples, and he had the audacity to say something to them that would forever change how they looked at their work and life. And then that was passed on to us some 2,000 years later. And you know what he said? He said this. He said in this, if this works, he said in this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What Jesus was saying there is monumental and we have to understand it. Mike, what's this have to do with money, giving and tithing and all that? I'll get there. But we have to start with what we believe about what Jesus has said. You see, the gospel of the kingdom is indeed good news. If you know what the word gospel means, it simply means good news. And if you follow it up, when Jesus said it will be preached, it means it will be testified to. People are going to talk about the good news. And the wrong question that we ask often is, what is the good news? It's the wrong question. Did you know that? The right question is, who is the good news? The good news is the person of Jesus Christ come down in the flesh as a man looking and living this world fully human in a sinless state throughout and then willingly of his own volition paying the penalty of sin for us who couldn't fix ourselves, who couldn't offer anything to God of worth on our own. Jesus says, I can be the perfect sacrifice. I can offer myself so that all humanity that would believe on me might be saved, might be redeemed, and might be set free from sin, not just for right now, but for all eternity. And in the process... Through that, Jesus was teaching us that he was giving us access. Access is a great thing. Access means that we get to go places that only special people do. Have you ever heard of a backstage pass? Years ago, while I was uh, still in, uh, in college, uh, every summer I would go see my favorite band. And I'm not going to tell you who they are so you don't make fun of me. But in the process, one year, my friend who worked at a golf course in the the greater Pittsburgh area, hosted the band members at the golf course. And because he was kind of the executive in charge that day of the golf course, they said, hey, do you want to come to the concert tonight? And he was like, well, yeah. And he said, well, here's some VIP passes that get you where other people can't go. Here's six of them. I'm three hours away in another state, and I get this phone call. Mike, Marcus, you need to be here in four hours. Can you do it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, I got stuff. He said, we've got tickets, VIP passes, you should come. Okay, I'll be there. Notice how instantly when access was presented, my story changed? Now I was late, and they all had to wait on me, but that was beside the point. I got access. Not to meeting the band. They met the band. But I got to be there and have this special privilege. For us as followers of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us through his death and resurrection gave us access for all eternity to the Father. So when Jesus teaches us this right here and this gospel of the kingdom will be spoken of, will be told, will be testified as a testimony to all nations then the end will come. He's reminding us that the good news of himself needs to go into all the world because it's the best news of all and it's worth telling. And that when it's spread over all the world, he's going to come back and he's going to bring us to a new place. But here's what happens. I know you're wondering what's going on up here. We seem to think that the world is about just what's right in front of us right now. And we go through life thinking of it in terms like this. And many of you will recognize this. This is, and as much as I'm about to malign it, this is good stuff right here. You know what this is? Okay, I, I hear bao, so you've got that part, right? This isn't just bao. This is the only bao worth eating, in my opinion. This is chasu bao, Okay. And because it's the first cha su bao I ever had, it's from St. Honor's Tea House right across the street. As far as I'm concerned, they make the best one because it's what I've been eating for 10 years. Uh, and I eat a lot of them. They know me by name. I'm very popular at that little cake shop. But see, the thing is, this is considered pretty simple food, right? But it's good. It's great, and if I take a bite, which I'm not going to do right now, it'll fill my stomach, and I can be okay with that. In our Christian lives, we settle for dim sum when we're offered this. This is a very good piece of steak scattered by salad and cheese and all sorts of great presentation, and you just look at it. Come on, compare don't westernize Asian this and say well I would rather have the bow that's fine that's not the point which of these looks more glorious and elegant (laughs) (laughs) you're wrong in this illustration this does so track with me maybe I asked it the wrong way we're talking business and economics today which would cost more there we go. Now you with me? There we go. I had, to, I had to get us back on track. The thing is, in our Christian lives, we seem to want to settle for what is right in front of us, forgetting Jesus Christ himself promised that he would give us full lives for all eternity. But we have to trust in him with everything we have. He invites us to sit down at his table to fellowship with him and to enjoy his promises for all eternity. Not just for the right now because this is all we can get. But we walk through life thinking more about this than the kingdom. And when we talk about the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom, we need to understand what Jesus meant and what he was referring to. The fancy church ease speak is Jesus was referring to the kingdom of the already and not yet. In other words, Jesus told us, I am the fulfillment of the kingdom. The kingdom is here and it is now. The kingdom of heaven is here. And that's true. When Jesus came, he gave us access to the Father through his finished work. But the kingdom is not yet fulfilled in that if you were here for the call to worship this morning, the new heavens and the new earth have not been brought back together with streets of gold on the, along the glassy seas where there will be no more tears and sadness. We are still waiting for the fruition of what is coming. The when this is the normal, and, I, I, and maybe there'll be lots of bow there too for those of you that would prefer that. But we're waiting on the fulfillment of everything that is yet to come. And we're excitedly doing that. We should be. We should be living in anticipation and working toward that last phrase. And then the end will come. It's a conditional statement in the English language. In other words, as this gospel of the kingdom is taken into all the earth, this is a great, what we say, missions verse. Because it assumes that we will take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. Where there are unreached peoples, we go to them. We love them and we introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. And if we can't go, we make it possible for others to go. Whether that's just north of us. We have someone sharing today and yesterday at a church and fellowship just across the border and we're excited about that. But we use the resources we have to beg the Lord Jesus to take his message to the ends of the earth, so that he can return. And as we do, it means we take a different perspective on economics. It means how we spend and how we look at money should be focused here on the fulfillment of the kingdom. But we spend a lot of time thinking about this, about the right in front of us about all the things we wouldn't be able to do if we gave more to God's work. And so I want to break it down. I want to break it down how the church got to the point where it is where we believe certain things. And the first thing we need to understand is that kingdom giving, every time I talk about giving today, I'm going to use the phrase kingdom giving because sometimes we feel like the reason we're giving our offerings is to pay to keep the lights on in the church. Now, while that is partially true, that is a very small part of why we give and what the money should be used for in, the, in God's economy. But you see, kingdom giving is an act of worship and dependence. How do I know this to be true? Well, all the way back in Deuteronomy, God was introducing a way of life to the people of Israel. And by doing so, he was teaching them, this is the way to live to enjoy the fullness of my blessings. Fullness that are bigger than what you will get on your own. Blessings that are greater than you can imagine because you will live the life you were created to live. And part of that process was, mean, was meant that as we are given resources, as we are given finances... Some should be set aside for God's work, for others. Does God need our money? No. He can do all things. There's nothing he cannot do. But from the beginning of the people of Israel, God was teaching them to think beyond themselves, to give beyond themselves. If we stopped for a moment right now, you could all probably list all the bills you're seeking to pay this week. Right? If you thought about it for a moment, or this that you want to do, or this that you wish you could afford, or this that is coming, or maybe you've got babies on the way, or children in college, or children that won't leave the house, or whatever the case may be, there are all these expenses. And you're trying to figure it all out. And from the very beginning... God was reminding us, it's not just about you, but as you give to me, you're taking a bigger perspective on life. One that that thinks about the world out there and their need to see what it looks like to follow God. That's not just a New Testament concept. The people of Israel were always meant to show the world what it means to follow God. That's why they were his chosen people. And so he started with the word, uh, some of your Bibles will set aside a tenth, they'll say a tithe. Guess what? Tithe means tenth. Okay? So at the base minimum, you were to set aside a tenth of what came in. And it was to be a blessed, it was a blessing to give that back to the Lord. It was to be given back joyfully because then we could make other work possible. We could, as God taught us in the economy of caring for the poor, it was these tithes and offerings that allowed their needs to be met. It was the tithes and offerings that in the Old Testament, in the sacrificial system, allowed the Levites to offer those sacrifices. They ate based on what people gave similar to ministry today. If people didn't give, those in the work didn't eat. That much hasn't changed. And so faithfulness in finance meant that we were thinking about the work of God and what needed to happen for that to go forward. Sometimes in churches we make statements like, I'm happy where we are. I'm good or I'm comfortable. And God really never gave us that freedom. He always wanted us to be looking out for others, looking for ways we could meet the needs of a broken world. But what happened over time was this. If you flip to the end of the New Testament, you come to Malachi. And Malachi has a lot of just rough things to say to church leaders and to the people of Israel as a whole. And in the process, they're talking about offerings. And they're talking about tithes. And they're talking about the need for which we offered the best to the Lord. And they had the audacity to actually rob God. Because they had promised God what was called the first fruits, the best. But as you read the rest of Malachi, if they were to sacrifice an animal as an offering to God that would then feed those that needed that food... Instead of giving the best of the goats, the best of the animals they had, they would look for the blind one, the crippled one, or the one that was beating its head into a tree. And they would offer that and say, it's God. He'll take whatever we offer. This is God's response. Will a mere mortal rob God? No, it's not possible. Yet you rob me. But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're not giving back what I have given to you. How can you show a world there's a better way to live if you won't do it yourself? That's the underlying question there. It's not just about the money. Never think that a sermon about money is just about the money. It's always about the heart. The people of Israel and so much of us today lost track of the kingdom of who God had called us to be. And we got stuck thinking about what we want in our comforts right now. And all we could see in front of us was the simple and not the blessed best that God was offering. And so we weren't offering that to him. And the result was that the people missed out on what God had for them. We need to understand very simply that kingdom giving demonstrates faith in the God of a larger story. Simply put, you might make a commitment to support the missions work of New Sites. Or you might make a commitment to support the missions work that is going on in the Christian and Missionary Alliance of the Philippines or with Bless China International or with English Language Institute China or with myriad other organizations, the Home of Loving Faithfulness. Um, the, uh, I've lost track of it. I'll get to it later on. You might make a commitment to do that. Then you undergo financial hardship and you wonder, how am I going to keep that commitment? And it's in those moments when the choice comes where we have to choose either to tithe and to give back to God what he's given us and to fulfill that commitment that he's invited us into as a way of showing the world a greater way to live, a way of generosity, or whether we say, not right now, I can't be generous right now, I need this. Even in its heart, doesn't it sound dirty to say that? I need this more than God could use this. Oh, it just, we know better, but. But that's why I love this passage because God doesn't stop there. He professes judgment through Malachi. But then listen to what he says. Bring all of it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. That's God's way of saying, I dare you. Go ahead and try to outgive me. That's what God is saying to his chosen people. He's saying, I dare you to be faithful to live the way I have created you to live. I dare you to trust me, to take eternity in mind and think about my economy. Which means that you will, as we talked about last week, you will take care of the poor. As we're going to talk about in a couple weeks, you will take care of the aliens and the refugees. And you will care for one another through the resources I have provided you. And as you test me in this, says the Lord, check it out. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, please understand, this is not prosperity gospel. This doesn't mean that if you give faithfully to the Lord, you will be driving a very fancy car by the end of today. That is not what this passage means at all. It means you will live in the peace and the fulfillment and the long-term provision for all eternity that God has you right where he wants you and you are secure in his provision. For some of you, that might mean you might live with less. But when you're giving it to the Lord, you won't regret that. Because you'll know you're right where you're supposed to be. For others of you, He'll give you the opportunity to give away even more out of the blessings He has given you. And there's a test there. What will you do with the resources you've been given? Remember the parable of the minas? You know, the guy that got 10 used those 10 to build onto that and use more? And... Jesus taught in the parable that to whom much is given, much is expected. And he gave him more. Those that hoarded it, even that was taken away from him. What we have is the issue. God promises us he won't leave us. He's with us. And he expects us to trust in him with what we need. But Mike, what about the poverty and the sin and the brokenness in the world? Well, here's the hard truth. If we, the 1% church world that has resources that are greater than the other 99% of those living in poverty around the world, gave faithfully to the mission of God, much of that poverty would be taken away. You realize that? If we, the church universal, got behind the idea of giving our tithes and offerings to the Lord, and the church was faithful with that, they didn't just give themselves raises, but they gave it to the true work of God, you would see a vastly different world order because needs would be being met, because we would be caring for the poor, we would be looking after the orphan, and we would be providing homes for the refugees. Interesting that as we say that, which is straight from Scripture, these aren't Mike's ideas, this is what God taught us through all of these pages that what are three of the biggest issues we hear on the radio and news today? The poor, the orphan, and the refugee. Maybe it's time that the church lived the way God invites us to live. Maybe everything about kingdom living is an invitation, not a burden around our neck. Because we have to understand, we often jump straight to the part that says, it's hard to give 10%. Okay, that's between you and the Lord. What I want us to do is say, Lord, it's all yours. Guide me in what you would have me give. And I will be confident in that and in your provision in that, whatever it is. You know how I know this to be true? Because kingdom giving is only temporarily sacrificial. (laughs) That sounds weird, right? Because if I give really sacrificially right now, I won't have it tomorrow. If I give this away, I'm not going to get to eat this. And it looks so good. Have you seen this? It looks so good. But if I give it all away, what if I don't have any more? When we do that, we're taking a simple perspective on time and on life. We're looking at this and saying, this is it. This is as good as it gets. And we forget that we were made for eternity. That for all eternity, God says he will provide for us. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sadness. There will be no more death for those who have followed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The kingdom economics say it's a lot more about the long-term investment than the short-term gain. If Christians practiced economics the way they practice Christianity, we would be always suffering loss because we always go for the big win quickly and we forget that the journey toward being like Christ takes a long time. How do I know that it's temporarily sacrificial? One of the truly tender and great stories in the Bible, Jesus sits down, pulls up a chair. He's in the area where women were allowed and in the corner was a place they could drop their offerings in. Other people are coming along and dropping in offerings of great multitude and and great coins. And, you know, one of the famous things that people would do then was they would make sure that it made a lot of noise as it was dropping in because this would show everybody else how faithful of givers they were. You've already missed the point of offering if that's your objective, to go around telling people how much you've given. God already knows it's between you and him. But then this one lady comes in and he watched the crowd putting in their money. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. It'd be the equivalent of throwing in one or two 10 cent coins in Hong Kong dollars those really are only good to make people mad at you for using them at this point, right? They're they're not worth very much. They have little impact on our spending. But that was all she had to give. It wasn't just sacrificial. It was based in faith. She trusted The famous line from David, and my God shall supply all my needs. And Paul adds, according to his glorious riches. She knew that to be true so much that she would stake her life on that fact. And so she gave out of that. And how does Jesus respond to such a sacrificial gift? He grabs his disciples together. He looks at them and says, come here. You need to see this. You need to understand this. Jesus says, truly I tell you, this woman has put more into the treasury than all the others. It's a little tiny couple of coins. It's worth nothing. God doesn't need the money. God invites us to trust him with our lives. Every part of it. Economics that Jesus taught about was trusting him knowing that his way is the best way to live. And this woman was willing to give with that truth in mind. She gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. Would we do that? If it came down to it, remember in the Old Testament, Uh, a prophet was walking and he needed a place to stay and and eat and and the widower that had a son said this is it this is the last of the oil I can only cook one more meal and then we will die and God invited the prophet and the woman to trust in him and they had food enough to feed them long thereafter because they trusted in God's provision you move ahead to the New Testament and the story is the same God I don't know what you're going to do we're going to trust in you. When my wife and I first started in um, working in a church, we, we lived in a place called Alabama. Uh, most of you have only heard of it because of Martin Luther King, and that's where he was shot and killed, and we weren't so far away from that. But it was a time where finances weren't readily available to us. We weren't given a lot of money, and that was okay. God always provided. But there was one week in particular where we weren't sure how we were going to buy groceries that week. We weren't sure what we were going to do. And on top of that, it was Mother's Day. And while Melissa wasn't a mother yet, I still wanted to honor her and do something special for her. And there was no way I could do that. That Sunday morning, a dear old lady in our church came up and she said, I want you to take out your wife today. Go have lunch on me. And she provided. We had committed to tithing with whatever God gave us. And we had committed to giving to missions, to the work that God was doing all over the world. And we came to the choice where, what were we going to do? And we had to keep giving. And even in that, God provided. And you know what I had that meal? Steak. And ever since, when I eat steak, I am reminded personally of the provision of God. But we had to trust God enough to say you can do more than we can imagine because there's other people that are going to respond to God's invitation to help in ways we haven't yet figured out. What happens is our solution to the ills and the world's problems are this. When God said if you would trust me I would bless you beyond all measure if you'll follow the way I have for you and go toward the feast that's all eternity. But we keep trying to figure out on our own and we eat simple food rather than sitting elegantly dining with the king. It changes how we look at things when we understand that kingdom giving is sacrificial only temporarily. It's eternally beneficial. You see the difference? It might hurt to give a little bit right now, but the long-term payout, the long-term return on investment... Lasts forever. Does that make sense? You know how I know that to be true? Because when Jesus looked at the man next to him that had believed on him at the last possible moment, Jesus said, Today you will be with me. And that was to be forever. We get to sit and dine and enjoy God in all his glory, forever. He will return. And he invites us to one more part when we think about kingdom economics. And that is this. Kingdom giving is inclusive. What you give is between you and the Lord. Please don't mistake me. We're not going to put up on the screens who gave what this month and check it out. But how we use those funds are meant... To do something very, very specific. And I want to demonstrate that as physically as I can. So I needed some help, and I arranged earlier to make sure I had that help. You can take these, we don't need these anymore. Let's see. Gwenzel, can you come here for a minute, please? Come on up. You're sitting right in front. Come on, come on over. Come on over, have a seat. There you go. I want to do something for you. I want to explain something very clearly to you. This is the nicest bottle of wine I still had in my house. AND I AM VERY HAPPY TO GIVE IT AWAY, BECAUSE ONE, I APPRECIATE WHAT DWENZEL HAS DONE FOR THE KINGDOM, AND THE court JUST BROKE, SO YOU'RE NOT GETTING WINE. <laughs> WE'LL SAVE THAT FOR LATER. THE FOOD IS STILL VERY GOOD. YOU LOVE IT WHEN YOUR ILLUSTRATIONS GO ACCORDING TO PLAN. BUT HERE'S THE THING. WE GET TO THINKING THAT WE'RE SUPPOSED TO ENJOY THE FEAST, THE KINGDOM OF GOD, RIGHT? But everything in the Bible teaches us that along our spiritual journey, take a bite, I dare you. Along our spiritual journey, we are to invite others to come along with us to the glory and the joy of God. How do you do? Is it good? Excellent. Good. I get the privilege now of enjoying a meal with my friend. I don't know if she'll get steak again later. I'm going to take a bite. Good job, Victor. You can go now, thank you. But see, what happens is simple. And Jesus had no patience for people that did this. He tells the story of a great banquet where the man was trying to basically connect with those that could aid his life. We ever do that? We spend time with those that we benefit from? Happens all the time. And we spend time and our attention on those that give us something, that give back to us what we expect or can help us financially or can help us with status or can help us with give voice to what we want. But Jesus was teaching us that to be a true leader, a true leader that can change the world for the glory of God, we're supposed to be servants. We're supposed to invite everyone to the table. We're supposed to bring in anyone that has need, that's willing to admit, I'm broken in spirit and I need help. And we get to offer them this. And even more, there would normally be wine that worked. We get to offer them the kingdom. But we have to take the attention off of ourselves. And we have to be willing to invite everybody in. Look at what Jesus says. When you give a banquet... Invite the poor. Invite the crippled. Invite the lame. Invite the blind. Not one of those people in human terms gives anything back to you. That's who you go after. Go love them. Go get them. And in so doing, you will be blessed. Your return on investment is an eternal one. They can't repay you Here we go. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the ends of the earth as a testimony of God. And then the end will come and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteousness. Remember last week, Jesus asked the question, uh, said, you'll ask of me, where were you when we were giving to the poor and needy? And whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Well, here's this being played out in real life. By giving, by offering what God has provided to us as his people, we get the chance to bless those the world has forgotten. Is that not amazing? But to do it, it means we have to think ahead. A good, a, a good financial person knows that they're not just saving for tomorrow, they're saving for 20 years from now, if they're my age. As you get older, you're saving for shorter times, obviously. But in kingdom giving, it means we're not just worried about the right now. It means we want to make sure everyone has the chance to come with us into eternity. Hell is real. Everything we see around us should illustrate that truth. The world is broken and people of their own choice will make broken choices. But God, in his infinite love, gave Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, therefore gaining access to God the Father for all eternity. And when Jesus gave us that access, he said, now go make disciples. Go invite others to sit at my table Go look for the poor, the needy, the hurting, the hurting, the hungry, the orphan, the widow, and the least of these, and invite them in. And you see, at first the church did really well. If you flip over in your Bible a few pages to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we're told that the church had everything in common. That they weren't concerned about building their own kingdom of bow. They were building the kingdom of God. And so whatever they had, if somebody else needed it, here you go, buddy. You need this more than I. It's all yours. Just use it for God's glory. And then as a, a, a movie a few years ago tried to start a movement, pay it forward. Go give some more away. Go be generous with what God has given you as I have been able to be generous to you. Be merciful to others the way God has been merciful to us. Give grace to those that need it the way God has given grace to us. Provide for those and let the church help connect you with needs that others may have so that we can be a light in this dark world. So that as we think, we look forward to inviting everyone we know into this place. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Heaven is brought down to earth and everything is restored to what we say in Bible terms, Edenic proportions, the way it was meant to be. God prepared a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, look, Just imagine this. Remember when I told you to imagine that song, How Great Is Our God? Think about this for a second. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Just like Joenzel could sit up here and share a meal with me as I trip and fall and we could enjoy that fellowship together. God is telling us to look forward to all eternity of us dwelling with him. And as we look forward to that, we are invited to live a life that's sacrificially giving to help others to make sure that we're building the right kingdom. To ensure that our perspective is one that says, this is what I've got. God, use it for your glory. Use it to help us meet the needs of the poor, of the afflicted, of those that have no access to Jesus Christ, those that need someone to just take them out for a cup of coffee. So when you think about economics and when you think about tithing and when you think about giving, we don't think of it in terms of this is something we have to do. We think about it in terms of the investment we get to make in the kingdom of God. Alliance International Church is not perfect, but we are seeking to be a church that gives away as much as we humanly can to help other ministries that are seeking to meet the needs of those on the fringes of society. Just look at the, some of the organizations we get to partner with and some of the ways we get to partner right now. And I want you to keep this in mind when you consider giving. One, one, We get to support Alliance Global Serve where every $700 roughly that we give Hong Kong can make a blind person see. And you know what happens in the prospect while they're getting that eye surgery? They're usually told about Jesus Christ. We're meeting physical needs and spiritual needs and people are coming to know Jesus. But more could be done as is always the case. English Language Institute raises up leaders of tomorrow by training them in English today. And people weekly come to know Jesus Christ in places that I am not going to state because we don't want them to have any risk. But we continue to invest in the equipping of disciples in strategic areas where people don't always have access to the gospel because it's illegal. Blessed China International does the same thing in another part of China where they seek to come alongside people in what they're doing through meeting physical needs, financial needs, and anything else. And some of you are involved in that ministry and the church hopes to be able to be more involved in that ministry in the days to come. Eden ministry is a global ministry that has a ministry right here. Most of us like to look the other way when we consider there are boys and girls and young women that are sold into sexual slavery. Eden ministry exists to rescue them and free them and save them and give them a home and give them a vocation that they can have a chance at a life hid in Christ. Home of loving faithfulness. Sadly, too often in places like Hong Kong, those that have special needs are cast aside and ignored. The home of loving faithfulness cares for them and provides hope for them. And some of you have partnered with that to help them out haven of hope. Often when you have a terminal disease, your family forgets about you for one reason or another, but that happens. One of our community group is providing hope to them and helping them, and we can come alongside further alliance filipino fellowship when we think about the access we have to a country with over a thousand islands and the people in need of the gospel and these ladies time and again i hear stories these ladies have gone home and they've gone back and their entire families to the second and third generation have come to know jesus christ when we invest in them we invest in the kingdom it is not a mistake you are here with us and we love you you are essential to the work that god has called us at aic to One on one group discipleship. At our day of prayer not too long ago, I invited all of you to look around for somebody that you could invite to walk alongside you. We, the church, are committed to giving you every resource imaginable so that you can have the tools you need to help others get to know what kingdom living is all about. One of those is Right Now Media. Not nearly enough of you have signed up for it. You've got such access to Bible studies out there that are from great teachers that can help you tremendously and you don't even have to do the hard work. Give it away. Use it for God's glory. Use it to help others. We have a youth group that is growing and that is investing in others and that is loving people and inviting them to bring their friends Youth and teenagers and children are not the church of tomorrow. They are very much the church of the right now. And we will invest in them. So things like Youth Alpha, things like Think Orange, our children's ministry, we want to keep improving, not because we want to be the church that does everything really well, but because we want to be the church that gives every child, man, woman, and everybody the chance to know Jesus for all eternity. Cop, I already talked about. The Christian Missionary Alliance of the Philippines. Fountainhead, we fully support someone that's doing work in a very strategic place at an orphanage there. Those are just a few of the ways we can get involved. Let alone the hospitality ministries that we're able to offer. Let alone the ways that we can walk alongside and to provide care and support for members of our own body when they need it through things like the Benevolent Fund. Our role is to think about our finances with eternity in mind, saying, Lord, what would you have me do with this life you have given me? Is it yours? Is it God's kingdom that we're building? Or are we focused only on our own? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word that you invite us to invest in your kingdom for all eternity. We can get distracted with the cares of this world and forget that the resources you've provided are to be used to honor and glorify you. And I have done that, and I ask you to forgive me for that. And so going forward, Lord, I pray that we would be a generous church because of the abundant generosity that you have given us. You gave us your son. Nothing we could ever offer comes anywhere close. But Lord, please find us faithful to give that which you've given us. For your glory, it's all about you. And Lord, give us opportunities to build your kingdom, to build kingdom relationships right where we are. In your holy name I pray, amen.